0: Welcome to Episode 8 of the Passionate Purpose Podcast, where we interview people over 50 who are pursuing a new direction for their lives. It's an opportunity for men and women to tell their stories, their way, in their own words. This week, I will be speaking with a woman who endured some pretty heartbreaking abuse as a child. Yet today, she's made it her life's purpose to speak with people about the impact sexual abuse has on their lives and steps they can take to reclaim their innocence. Jeanette Finn's father sexually abused her often, starting at age 10 and continuing for five years. The abuse had a dramatic impact on the direction of her life. Jeanette didn't see how much she had been changed by the abuse until she was able to observe the life of a normal 10-year-old girl and experience that innocence through her granddaughter's eyes. Jeanette had dulled her pain with alcohol so often that she became an alcoholic in her teens. Trying to gain sobriety put her on a roller coaster path of coming out of addiction, only to fall back into that lifestyle a year or two later. Jeanette's research showed that 50% of women she encounters on speaking engagements admit to her that they were also sexually abused as children or teenagers. Today, she wants women to feel comfortable talking about what happened to them, it does not need to be a secret, and they do not have to live with the shame and guilt. The timing is right for a national discussion on sexual abuse of children, Jeanette explained. Thanks to societal attention on gender identity, youngsters are opposed to sexual topics much younger than they have been in the past. They are more frequently targeted for abuse as well. In fact, some studies show that as many as one out of every 20 boys and one out of every five girls are sexually abused before their 13th birthdays. To tell us more about her story and how it motivated her to help others reclaim their lost innocence, please welcome Jeanette Finn, the founder of Innocent Again, to the show. Thank you for joining me today, Jeanette. I really appreciate your time. Can you tell me a little about who you are and where you're from?
1: Well, I am currently residing in Vancouver, Washington. I am 58 years old. I am happily remarried. I have three children, adults, and I have my fourth grandchild on the way, due any day.
0: Awesome! Well, how many? What What are the sexes of your kids and your grandkids?
1: So my kids are um, girl and boy. Okay. And then with my remarriage, I got another girl. Okay. And she's the girl that has provided me with four grandkids all right and those go boy girl girl boy okay but the boy hasn't come out yet
0: not yet okay (laughs) cool maybe tonight
1: yeah super
0: (laughs) so did you grow up in vancouver
1: no i was actually born in germany and my the american army guy got the sweet little innocent german girl pregnant And he even wanted her to get an abortion, but she wouldn't do it because of her Catholic religion. Mm -hmm. And so then he decided that she was the most trainable woman he had ever met. So he would bring her back home with him. Okay. (laughs) He was the rat.
0: Is that right? Oh my goodness.
1: He brought her back home and acted like he wasn't even married.
0: Oh, that's too bad. So this is your yeah. dad that we're talking about, your biological uh-huh. father. Okay. So he yep. wasn't in the picture for long, was he?
1: No, he was. he was. He was. Okay. He stayed in the picture until until let's see like my mid 20s when yeah, when I told my mom that he had done some horrible things when I was a child.
0: Okay. Okay, so you've had yeah. all that abuse, uh, that abuse and experience to deal with.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. yes, a very, a very traumatic childhood. And then on the other side, you know, my dad was one of those, you know, charismatic narcissists. Mm-hmm. You know, people liked him, and he, and he did things. He was accomplished. He, so I kind of had some of the good life you know, clothes and all that and um, travel. We went to Germany a few times, like when I was a kid to visit my mom's side of the family Um, and he was smart. He helped me learn how to think and use my brain and, you know, respected having a good mindset, all that kind of stuff. But then, you know, on the other side, he, you know, sexually abused me. You know, mm-hmm. when I was ten, and and it stopped when I was fifteen. With this,
0: that's kind a long, of gap in the middle. That's yeah. a long time.
1: Yeah, which is what my book is about.
0: Okay, so that you,
1: girl, distorted joy restored. Mm-hmm. Journey to innocent again. It's it's my story about what happened. More so focused on the abuse. Mm-hmm. Not like it's not like a memoir. It's a a quick little 120-page book, mostly to try to help women and men, but mostly women because I'm a woman and I know how to relate to the women and Mm -hmm. the issue with women. Um, But it's mostly my story just to let people know that they can share their story.
0: Okay. So so they're comfortable talking about it. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. That it doesn't have to be this secret.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. It doesn't
1: have to be a secret. We don't have to live in the shame and guilt of it. It wasn't our fault.
0: Right. That's exactly right.
1: Yeah. And then with all the talk about all this other kind of sex stuff now, mm-hmm. you know, and gender identity and all that kind of stuff, I want people to be able to talk about having been abused as a child as easy as a conversation is talking about what gender do you identify <laughs> with? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you exactly. know Exactly.
0: Exactly. How long ago did you write the book?
1: Um, Three years ago, I started it. And it it started out, Greg, as 120,000 words. Okay. It was big.
0: That was big, yes.
1: (laughs) It was was a memoir. It really (laughs) started out as a memoir. Okay. But then at the end, I got it down to 20,000 words. I don't think I could have got to these 20,000 words without the 120. Right. Because there was a lot of healing involved in writing out the whole story.
0: I was just going to say that, that the the thought of pouring out all of these memories and what do they call it when you're writing? You're, you're bleeding ink. You know what I mean? Uh, when you're cut mm-hmm. and you're, you're just, your, your wounds are, are coming out through your storytelling and, and what you're writing about. And that's got to be very therapeutic.
1: Yes, Mm -hmm. yes. Even recognizing some of the hurt or the confusion, the trauma I would have had as a child that I I didn't even recognize Mm -hmm. until I was writing it out and thinking, whoa. Because, you know, of course, at the time, my sweet granddaughter was 10 years old, so I could see a 10 year old girl and just go, my, 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 Mm -hmm. of course. Of course, the way I behaved in my young adult life mm-hmm. with drinking and drugs and sex.
0: Yes. You mask your own pain. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Cause I, cause you're like just girl distorted. You're distorted. Your thinking's distorted. I, and the thing that, you know, amazes me is in my teen years and early twenties, if you would have told me that I'm drinking and behaving this way because of the abuse. And that's what's driving me. I would have said no way. Mm -hmm. I know I was abused, but I'm choosing this behavior now, because it's what I want to do. Mm -hmm. But it wasn't, it wasn't truly what I would have chosen to do had I been given all the options, Mm -hmm. had I been given a different way to think, you know, you know, and see the world and process the world around me. Yeah.
0: I agree. Yeah, that's a a very good point. So have you always been a writer or did you do something before you did this?
1: I've always journaled. Mm -hmm. I've always been like a journal journaler. Journaler.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that'll work. (laughs)
1: Um yes, but I never I hadn't written a book. Okay. Although um, you know, way back like let's see, early nineties probably when I got sober. So mm-hmm. see, that's what happened. I ended up getting sober. And that's when I realized how much the sexual abuse had made, you know, cause my behaviors,
2: mm-hmm.
1: how my drinking was really masking, feeling any pain or issues from that sexual abuse. Right. So that's when I started processing it and and considering it as something that might need to be addressed. And that's when I remember exactly driving down this road on highway 84, right by Deloitte center mall, Mm -hmm. this thought came to me. I felt it was like from God, like God said, you are going to write a book and you are going to help ladies go through this. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow, cool. I just didn't know it'd be like 20 some years later.
0: (laughs) Right. There have been studies that that talk about how many people are victims of sexual abuse. And it is astonishing. I mean, I read a statistic not too long ago that uh, it's a one third of girls under the age of 13 have already been sexually abused. And I'm like, that can't possibly be right. But they claim that it is. It's becoming that, that prevalent.
1: So, oh my gosh. It, mm-hmm. It's amazing. When I talk to women that I don't know if they have or haven't, I'm just end up sharing my story. And then they tell me they have been too.
0: Mm-hmm. Right. Oh
1: my God. More, more than 50% of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: I agree. So you decided to, you, you fell into alcoholism as a result mm-hmm. of masking your point pain. It was just, mm-hmm. you know, this thing happened to you as a child and as a teenager, and you started drinking in high school, I'm assuming. And that yeah. continued into your twenties and things like that. And before you know it, yes. you're into it way too much and you don't know how to get out. How did you get out?
1: Well, my marriage at the time started becoming so disruptive. Like we would drink and end up in fights. And and I didn't really know that I had actually married another a narcissist even a sexually abusive narcissist I just always felt like I was trying to be a good wife and then we would drink and we'd get in these huge fights so I finally told him we have to stop drinking we have to stop drinking because all we do is fight so we did that after about like only a year and a half of marriage but then we were married about eight years and started up again.
0: Oh wow. Mm-hmm. Yes. Both of you or hit just both. Of you? Both of you. Yeah, both. Okay.
1: And then the then we had our second child, and it was happening again, the fighting, the him wanting to abuse me sexually, you know, like by watching porn and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't do it. I said this is I'm not doing that anymore. I'm not going there anymore. And apparently we need to stop drinking again. And so we did, but this time he found a replacement woman. He mm-hmm. found somebody at work to latch on to. and to- okay. <laughs> so so what happened is I stopped drinking. We both stopped drinking. I didn't really know that he was pursuing something at work. And then, I don't know, about three years into that round of sobriety, all of a sudden, one day he came home and I thought I smelled alcohol. So I said, this is weird. I think I smell alcohol. Mm -hmm. And he said, oh, yeah, I had a few beers because a guy at work dropped off a six pack. and, And so I had a couple. And the kids were like seven and 10 now. So it would have been, so we would have probably been more like five years sober again on this second round, maybe a little more. Okay. So all of a sudden he comes home and he smells like alcohol. And we had already talked to our kids, even about you guys probably will never really want to drink because both me and your dad have issues with alcohol. Like mm-hmm. even just, cause I think sometimes alcoholism, you know, I think it's always mental, Okay, but then there is ways people process alcohol in their bodies, and it makes them more prone to it, mm-hmm. like blood sugar levels and stuff. Like I, I, I was the kind of person that could drink and drink and drink, and then I would black out, but I would still walk and talk. I wouldn't stumble. I wouldn't slur my words, but I would not remember anything mm-hmm. that had happened. So there's something to also alcoholism, I think, with body chemistry. But we had already told our kids we're not going to drink. So the next time when he came home and he had drank, I said, "You're going to have to tell our kids that you're drinking because I don't want to live with any more secrets." Right. So he did tell the kids, and he just told the kids, "Oh, your daddy has a beer every now and then before he comes home from work." And and this was really starting to eat on me because he was being a different person with the Mm -hmm. kids and everything when he would come home from drinking. So I ended up telling him, I mean, do you even love me anymore? Do you want this relationship anymore? And he said, we will never be able to reconcile to the point that you need. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that was because some past issues he, so he was implying, we, I will never have that relationship I need. Okay. Okay. Knowing what I know now, I would have told him, how do you even know what I need? Right. You don't, you know, but at that point in time, he had me so emotionally manipulated. I just felt like, okay, I, I guess it's over. I said, maybe that you should move out for a while and we should separate. And so he went to move out and that's when he moved in with his girlfriend that I didn't know
0: it would would not surprise me that he was running from something as well, and that he was yeah. feeling his own pain from his own childhood or whatever the situation is. I'm not a counselor or anything like that, but it sounds like if he was involved in drinking and also trying to pursue sexual relationships outside of marriage, he was running from some very deep seated pain too
2: yeah,
0: and it's hard yes. hard when two people uh who are bringing their that kind of baggage into a marriage, you know, trying to work it out and all of that kind of stuff and it's not always successful. And as yeah. you well know. Mhm. So yeah. so eventually he moved out with uh to start a new yes. life and yes. you and so you were devastated by that now. That's a second major hurt, the rejection oh that came God. with that. Mhm.
1: And you know what? I went straight back to alcohol.
0: Eating, yep, alcohol
1: mm-hmm. and marijuana. Okay. okay. Yeah. All right. And I had the biggest pity party for three years. Mm-hmm. Three years. Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> and that isolation will, will, and because you're involved in all of that kind of stuff, you isolate yourself from your friends and family. Uh, exactly. Also through the shame that comes through all of that. And so eventually, yep. eventually you said, no, I'm not going to do this, right? Exactly. Okay.
1: I did. What happened? I did. I did meet. Um, my current husband in 2006, and we got married in 2008, and we met while we were both drinking.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay,
1: but he didn't have a drinking issue. See, he didn't, he could have a couple beers and that would be it. He he mm-hmm. didn't have a drinking problem. He never. He never used alcohol to run from feelings. Okay. Yeah, he used alcohol to maybe you know, wind down after work or,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but he never drank excessive kind of, you know, here and there, right. but, but he just didn't have that, that drive behind it. Mm-hmm. And so we were drinking and I just knew at some point I was going to have to stop drinking again because I would not get on with my life because it also numbs you, I think, to living to the fullest that you can live your life. Mm-hmm. So my sweetheart of a husband agreed to stop drinking with me. Okay. Because if he kept drinking, I wouldn't be able to ever stop.
0: Mm -hmm. Now that's love.
1: That is love. Mm -hmm. That is totally love. And October 1st this year, Mm -hmm. not very long ago, we had our 10 year sobriety.
0: Well, congratulations. That's a huge milestone. So neither of you have had any drinks. Do you feel like a different person? Totally, mm-hmm.
1: totally. Super. Because dr- drinking to me numbed me out. I would have never got this book written mm-hmm. if I was drinking. I would have probably never even cared to get it written. Okay. Yeah, because it just dulls the senses. Mm-hmm. And I think in order to live the fullest, you need to not be dulling yourself. And he agrees with it now, too. He's totally. He wants nothing to do with alcohol. He's seen other things now happen, even with his daughter, mm-hmm. because there is alcoholism, like like um, regular drinkers on his side. Okay, and even it's you know his mom and dad. And, it's a
0: family thing. Very often, mm-hmm.
1: yeah, a generational so it's thing. Really, mm-hmm. Yeah, so it really is for the best that he stopped too. Okay, he just would have never ended up in the gutter like I would have.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, it's good. To, good good story to, to share and things like that. And, and because of this, so 2008, uh, were you still in, no, you weren't in your fifties then, but you, Let's after see. you got into your
1: 50, 58, yeah, 58 now. Eight mm-hmm. now, okay. Yeah, So 2008, I would have been turning 50.
0: Okay. So,
1: and I got sober 10, 1, 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I got sober in, um, 2011.
0: Okay. Thus celebrating your 10th anniversary. Yes, that yes. makes sense. Okay. Yes. So I
1: was over 50 when I got mm-hmm. sober. Very good. So see, you can do it in your 50s. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. And a lot of people need to realize that, that they're not not confined by their past and the silly and stupid things that they have done. That defines them. They can They can enjoy a new life as soon as they make that decision to turn around yes. and walk in a different direction. That's all it takes is a 360 degree pivot and walking in a different direction. Even a 10 degree pivot to start moving in a different direction is enough. Right. Yeah. And it's nice that your husband was there to help you through it because I don't know of anybody who can come out of an addiction completely without help on their own. I just don't think they're, they're uh, strong enough mentally or emotionally to be able to do that. And they're, it's too easy to fall back into your, like you described, your own pity parties. If somebody isn't yes. there to say, hey, wait a minute, I thought we weren't doing this anymore and pull you out of it or talk you off the cliff or whatever the case might be. That's yes. Nice. So that's what this book does. The The Girl Distorted book talks about all of this pain and the struggle that you've had all the way up until your late 40s when you de- finally declared sobriety and decided yes. to, to pursue the new life. And what have you done since then? Are you counseling so, people?
1: Um. Right now, I am working on my second book. Okay. Okay, innocent again, is what it's called. Three keys to joy restored after childhood sexual abuse. Okay. So it's the steps, like it's the three keys as to what steps I took to get to joy restored.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. It's all it's renew your mind, reclaim your identity, restore your joy. Okay. The three Rs, <laughs> <laughs> the three Rs.
0: renew your mind, reclaim your identity, and restore, restore your, your joy. joy. Okay?
1: Yes. And so it gives actual more of steps that you can do. And mm-hmm. I'm creating an online course. I have created Innocent Again as a nonprofit. And so my plan is to have all the resources for free. Okay. The two books and the online course mm-hmm. to help the ladies that need it, and that I will get um, people that will support it, or even pay it forward. Mm-hmm. So it will be more like donations. So. So, that I can approach ladies and let them know here's some free information, go use it. And then prayerfully, it'll be supported by donors or pay it forward kind of things. Okay. And then it could even grow into retreats and things like that. I mean, I would love to have a retreat where you could immerse the ladies and even potentially couples, because my husband has worked through sexual issues with me because of my past. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's had to be open. He didn't have to be. He chose to be open to hearing me and things that made me like when we went to Cabo and it happened to be spring break and those college kids are there mm-hmm. in horrible bathing suits. It's hor. I mean, if they're wearing oh,
3: bathing suits,
1: <laughs> oh my gosh! It's just like oh, and the drinking, right? The drinking. Oh my gosh! And whoa! So you, my he-
0: go ahead. So you'd like to go out there and say, guys, listen. This is what you you think this is fun right now, but this is what you're going to look like in ten more years if you pursue this path. If you go yeah. down this path, the regret you're going to have is going to be overwhelming, and it's going to yeah. change your life. That's got to be hard to sit back and watch.
1: I know. I know. Oh my goodness. But he was so sweet and helpful and walking through things with me and, and not looking mm-hmm. and, and being respectful. And yeah.
0: Okay. Very good.
1: So, so there is like, I think at some point I feel like me and my husband, I would love to help couples. So, well,
0: that's, that's true. Because if you are married to a woman who has been sexually abused, it is going to be a huge baggage coming into the relationship Especially if she hasn't disclosed it to the fullest extent prior to marriage, it will come out at some point. Yes. And, and then we all will know that many men are having problems with lust and pornography, with up yes. to 65% of, of Christian men, church going men, yes. are claiming yes. that that is a problem. So, for that, in an individual who is trapped in that lifestyle to be married to somebody who has been sexually abused, that's a conflict that really. -hmm. Needs to be discussed and come out, and so you're trying, you're planning to take this kind of lesson and kind of help and therapy to couples as well, right?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes. Very good. I would really like to do that.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, how did your family react to your decision to write these books?
1: My mom, because because when that, when it came out, right, that dad had sexually abused me, and I was like twenty three or twenty four. And he was still mom and dad were still together and I had stopped drinking. Right. Mm -hmm. And I knew now that I needed to process through this stuff. I didn't want to necessarily tell my mom. I, I just wanted an apology from my dad. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to actually have a sit down with my dad and say, you know, what you did was wrong. It's not what people should do because that's what he tried to tell me as a kid. That this is what dads should do. And there are other countries that dads teach their daughters and moms teach their sons because sex is the most important thing.
0: Isn't that incredible? And yes. And and people believe that, right? Yes. Right. Yes. Did you get that apology?
1: No, because what happened was. It was kind of weird. I invited my mom to go to lunch just to see my mom because she had been out of town for a while on business. My dad didn't go on that trip, but while my mom was gone, I didn't want to see my dad on my own then. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't there yet. So when my mom came back to town, I asked my mom to come to lunch and she agreed. So we went to go meet at lunch at IHOP. And while we're sitting at the table, all of a sudden in comes my dad. So apparently he was already getting nervous, like he thought something was happening, like Mm -hmm. I wasn't the same or something, because he Mm -hmm. didn't want me and her to be alone. So to make the story short, I'll just say that when we left lunch that day, my dad out in the parking lot said to my mom, I don't want you seeing Jeanette anymore. Wow. She's, she's dangerous. Mm -hmm. And my mom was like, what?
0: (laughs) And did did your mom know the secret at that point? Uh-uh. No, okay. All right.
1: She just couldn't understand what my dad was talking about, you know. And so, because um, he had asked me at lunch, you know, how is this being sober thing? And I said, it's really good. I'm I'm on what's called a pink cloud. But I do know that there are things that are coming up that might need to be discussed. I just wanted to give him a little hint. Mm-hmm. I wasn't going to say anything. But then he says, like what?
3: <laughs> of course.
1: Oh, because he's a narcissist controlling things, right? Mm-hmm. And he thinks he can control nobody. So, I mean, at that moment, I wanted to reach across the table and slap him mm-hmm. and say, you know, well, what? But instead I said, oh, you know, things that happened when I was growing up, you know, things that you might've done to me or to mom or, or just stuff. Right. Okay. Okay. So then out in the parking lot, he says, I don't want you seeing Jeanette anymore. Mm -hmm. What dad's going to tell a mother that he can't, she can't see her 24 year old daughter anymore.
0: Right. a guy who's fearful of being brought into accountability.
1: So I go home and I get a phone call and it's my mom crying. And she says, can I come see you? And I said, yes. And I called my AA sponsor. Oh my gosh, I think my mom knows. She's coming Mm -hmm. over. She was crying. I think, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And she just, you know, says a prayer for me and the words will come and whatever needs to be. So there's a knock on my front door. I open the front door. It's my mom. And she's standing there crying. And she manages to get out the words, just tell me, did he?
0: Still hard to talk about.
1: Because you know, she would she she didn't really know. But that see, that's another mm-hmm. yes, because that's the thing about the whole issue of it. The mom cannot know, okay? But at some level, she probably suspects. Right. But she doesn't want to say. So on some level, then you have to say that the mom kind of knew. And mm-hmm. didn't want to deal with the ugliness of it. So, yeah, then I just hugged her and I said, yes, that began a beautiful healing process with me and my mom. You know, me and mom sat down for a while and we're chatting and everything. And so then she finally goes home and she decides that she's going to kill my dad. She actually gets a gun.
0: Oh, my goodness. Yes.
1: Yes she lays on the couch and puts the gun under the pillow waiting for him to come home. And then she's going to shoot him. Mm -hmm. Okay. So God is so good because he let it, he let something else happen because see my dad had been being on good behavior. Mm -hmm. He would come home early. He would come home for dinner, like six o'clock, never later, never drunk, never drinking anymore. Hardly ever that night. He didn't come home till 1030. He knew. Okay. My Mm -hmm. mom had fallen asleep on the couch and by then had processed enough of the feelings to think if I kill him. And then either kill myself or go to jail. Then Jeanette will be without anyone. Exactly. I can't do it for her. Mm -hmm. So she just laid there and watched him for a while till he went up to bed then she actually left and went to her friend's house and called him first thing in the morning and said I know what you did to Jeanette I want you out of the house you pack up your things and and that was it they separated
2: Mm -hmm.
1: with and so that's when he reached out to me and he said that he wanted to meet me and I said um well in a public place like, so we picked a public place in a parking lot and he got into my car and he had been crying. See, he's mm-hmm. an actor. He was, because okay. <laughs> I have another story I could tell you that would prove it. But, it, mm-hmm. but anyway, he, um, he's crying and he looks over at me and he says, how could you hate us so much? Really? How could I hate you so much? How could you hate your mother so much?
0: So there's no rem- I- no remorse on his behalf for the things that he had done. But it, yes. it all comes back onto you, the victim, that you, by telling these stories, are are not sharing what's in your heart, but trying to damage him through her and all that other kind of yes. stuff. Yes. And, yeah.
1: and I must hate my mom if I would tell the truth. Mm-hmm. You well- know?
0: it sounds like this is another opportunity for you to take a hurt and turn it into a way to help other people because there are a number of other moms out there who may be suspecting that Mm -hmm. something has been going on for a while. And it sounds like this might be a way for you to collaborate with your mom to share her story as well, to bring her healing to other, other moms and, uh, as well,
1: yes, mm-hmm. yes, absolutely. Because me and my mom then began a journey of healing together. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, when we, I was seeing a counselor, and at one point in our counseling, my counselor said to me, "We need to get your mom in here okay. because, because right. you, Jeanette, are still behaving in a weird dynamic with your mother. Even though your dad's out of the picture, mm-hmm. you two are not relating healthy to each other." Okay, and she needs to get in here, and I want you to write out exactly what your dad did to you, and you're going to read it to her. Mm-hmm. And my mom was willing to come. Okay. Oh my gosh, and and this would be so good for ladies, for mothers and daughters. Right. And I do want to do that, and mm-hmm. my mom should be willing, um, because when she walked into that room, the first thing she said that she thought she saw was like me a woman that she was jealous of because i had been with her husband okay it was instant like anger and why in the hell am i even here mm-hmm. i don't want to i don't need to hear this mm-hmm. but all of a sudden she saw the little doll that i had because that was part of my counseling was having a doll that i could relate to like inner child stuff like what would mm-hmm. what would my little girl inside feel so i had this doll and my mom saw me sitting there with that doll and all of a sudden she saw me as that little 10-year-old girl. Oh. Yes. And
0: that changed and then, everything.
1: It did. It totally did. So we we have done a lot of wonderful healing, mom and I. Okay. Very yeah. good.
0: Very good. And so together are you going to be helping other people as well or is this just something you're going to pursue on your own?
1: Um well, I think I would think I would involve her. Okay. I think that as this grows and becomes something, where it really actually does, like "innocent again" mm-hmm. becomes something, like even hashtag "innocent again" where people share their stories, right? Or you know that kind of thing. Um, my mom would be a part of it. Mm-hmm. You know, right? But not not in the beginning. Now, not did, right now.
0: Did you work a job before you turned fifty?
1: Um. Well, when I was married, I got to be a homeschooling stay-at-home mom. Oh,
0: very good. Okay.
1: Yeah, it was awesome. Okay. I loved it.
0: So, did this uh, new pursuit require you to learn any new skills and things like that, or has it been tough for you to figure out how to to do the writing I, and the publishing?
1: N- yeah. No, I definitely went on a learning, um, a learning module. No, a learning. <laughs>
0: Spree. spree. Yep. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. a Learning spree. Mm-hmm. I even got to where I had to stop learning and start doing. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was so busy just learning, 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 learning mm-hmm. that I wasn't actually getting anything done.
0: Exactly. But I
1: felt like it. And then, you know, you get to that point of realizing, okay, you're just mm-hmm. learning. Now you got to, because you know, that saying knowledge is power. Well, really, applied knowledge is power.
0: That's exactly right. Yes, you can talk about it all day long, but until you start to step forward and take that first step and do some action, it never really goes anywhere. You just you just sit there. So have you developed a website or something like that to help these people?
1: Um, yeah, I have a website, you know, innocentagain.com, and it's got the two books on there and the up-and-coming online course. But it's being, you know, renovated now Mm -hmm. as we speak and working on the verbiage. Because in the beginning, I was going to sell my books, Mm -hmm. I was going to sell this stuff and sell the online course and maybe do some kind of coaching. Okay. But just recently, especially when it became a nonprofit, Mm -hmm. I created it as a nonprofit about like eight months ago. Um, And then all of a sudden, I got to thinking, I could, I could do this stuff for free. I could give the information, the resources away. Then there will be some ladies that will, of course, want to support it. Right. They will feel value from it and feel like, so if it ever becomes something that can help pay my rent or pay my mortgage, mm-hmm. that'd be awesome. But I can do, because I've been a realtor before. So mm-hmm. after, you know, that's what I did the last few years. Okay. And. You know, so I can make money a different way. This is really just a love project.
0: And a love project that's going to help a lot of people. Exactly. So super. Exactly.
1: Super. I would have loved to learn this stuff sooner than later. Mm -hmm. I would have loved to learn because I feel like the saddest thing about it is that people treat the subject as so, you know, ugly and hurtful and, oh, it's you got to dig up the mess, you got to dig up your memories, you got to like cash it all out. Um, I don't feel like it, it has to go that way. I feel like you can have joy, you can live your life now, start learning that you can have joy and be healed and as you're living your life and something comes up. Like you get really angry at a TV show or um you see something that really offends you or your husband said, how come dinner's not ready? And you blew up. That's when you take those times and start going, Whoa. So what is it about him telling me dinner's not ready? That makes me so mad. Mm -hmm. Okay. When I was a kid, did mom make you know, right? like that, like, don't go, don't, I don't want people to come into innocent again and joy restored thinking, okay, now I got to dig into the, Yuck. No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. You don't have to dig into the yuck. We're going to start learning how to have joy right now. You can be joyful.
3: Okay, right.
1: You can, yeah. Life is meant to be enjoyed and you can undo the kinks in your thinking as you move through life.
0: That's right. If you invite Jesus into your life, he comes in there and heals your, your soul at the same time exactly. that you're uncovering it. And he does it in a gentle way. It's, not a, it's a restorative way that he wants to, to make you, what do you call it, innocent again, you know, yes. to, to realize that you, something was stolen from you and it needs to be redeemed. And it, yes. it is a process. It is not something that's going to happen overnight and it's going to take time and yes. you you need to do it in community. So the fact that yes. you are developing that community, I think is going to be a big help for a lot of women. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: And the whole Jesus aspect of it about that. You are forgiven. Right. If you don't have a past. He died so that you could be set free. Mm-hmm. Let's start living in that freedom experiencing that joy and when the, it doesn't come up and it does isn't around then start asking so what is blocking my joy right now what am I still holding on to right because there is a part of giving voice to something so that you can know what to forgive mm-hmm. you know sometimes you you have to actually state what it is you're forgiving if right. you don't say what it is well, okay well I forgive them well, well what do you forgive them for?
0: Right. It's got to be very specific.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, but it's a process and it can be, it doesn't have to be a miserable one. You can know that there's joy on the other side.
0: Mm -hmm. I agree. Like having a baby. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, Jeanette, this has been very interesting and informative. And like you said, it is going to, it's impacting so many different women. I mean, it's not something that you get over. Right. It's something that you carry with you your entire life. And uh, so there are many people of all ages who are still traumatized by things that happen to them uh, as children and tweens mm-hmm. and teens. And they need people like you to dedicate their lives and uh, use this as a new purpose to come out and help other folks get yeah. past where they're stuck. As well. Yes. And it kind of leads into a cascading effect, you know, you helping other people who turn around and help other people. Because, you know, hurt people hurt people. And it's yes. when they they learn to process that hurt in a positive, healing way, it's transformational, life changing. Yes. So I really wish you the best of luck.
1: Yes. Thank you.
0: I truly appreciate Jeanette Finn's honesty to share her difficult journey with the rest of us. Hopefully, just hearing Jeanette's story will help other current and former victims of childhood sexual abuse to realize they are not alone. As happened so many times with others, Jeanette brought the baggage of her abuse into her first marriage. In fact, she was married to a man who was very similar to her father in many ways and the way he would treat Jeanette as an object for his fantasies. After divorcing and remarrying... Jeanette was finally able to maintain a consistent path toward gaining complete sobriety. Once she was able to think clearly again, she wrote a book titled Innocent Again, Three Keys to Joy Restored After Childhood Sexual Abuse. Jeanette was able to create a nonprofit organization to accept donations in order to freely share materials to help women recover from the devastating effect of abuse. Not only does the victim have to recover, But those who were close to the abuser and victim often ignored or covered up the crime. For Jeanette, that meant confronting her mother to have a raw, real, and exceptionally honest conversation about what happened. Only then could the two of them heal their own broken relationship. The thought of dredging up an ugly, hurtful past and digging through a lot of painful memories often keeps women from going through the process to find genuine healing. But Jeanette said it doesn't have to be that way. You can learn to be healed, have joy, and start living your life right now, she said. Then if something comes up while you're living your life, and it makes you feel really angry, or causes you to question your reaction to a situation, then you can see it through the eyes of the trauma you experienced. People who are caught up in an abusive situation or who endured abuse in the past can find free resources Jeanette developed, at www.innocentagain.com Connecting with Jeanette can help women renew, reclaim, and restore themselves following the trauma of childhood sexual abuse so they can restore their joy and become innocent again. To connect with Jeanette, visit her Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash renew, reclaim, restore. The Kindle version of her book, Innocent Again, Three Keys to Joy Restored After a Childhood Sexual Abuse, is available on Amazon.com. Both books are available as e-books for free on her website and assigned paperbacks for a donation. Jeanette Finn's story of a painful past has a happy ending because she turned her pain into a renewed sense of purpose to help others overcome similar pain they've experienced. If you'd like help identifying the purpose for your life, or to get help with planning your next steps, I'm offering a complimentary brainstorming session to members of the Forward From 50 Facebook community. For details, connect with me on Facebook or visit www.forwardfrom50.com. That's all I have for this week's show. Next week, I'll be interviewing a woman from Virginia who always loved horses. Today, she helps children and teens learn to ride, care for, and love the majestic animals as well. She also describes simple ways any seasoned citizen can have a tremendous impact on the lives of others by serving as a mentor. I'll have that interview on the next episode of the Passionate Purpose Podcast. Thank you for listening.